This is Security All In, and this is Sam Curry speaking. As listeners know, we try on this podcast to talk a little bit about risk and security and really get into people's stories, what makes them tick, what got them to where they are and who they are. And uh, also sometimes there's a bit of a poker reference as well. And it was an initial theme that certainly in our first run of interviews, we talked a little about and I'll try and step up in, in the next run of interviews as we go forward. I'm very lucky today to have a longtime friend of mine, Diana Morikawa, who I first knew as Diana Lee on the show. And she's currently a vice president at Immersive Labs in Stockton, California. Diana, welcome. Thank you, Sam. It's good to have you here. And uh, I'll just say up front, Diana, we've worked together, I think, at three companies now. Is that right? Yeah, I think we started at McAfee and then CA and then Arbor. So yeah, three. So we skipped, yeah. we skipped RSA in that stretch on my side, and I think you had a couple stints in a few other places as well. Yeah, we were actually at competing companies because you were doing uh, multi-factor authentication at one company and I was doing it at another. So we couldn't talk business for, for a couple of years. That's right. We had to <laughs> stare each other's, other down across the no man's land. It was triple A. Yeah. Exactly. And, but Diana, at one point, I think your now husband, Ray, referred to me as your work husband. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's still true. And you seem to graduate in the ranks as he does. So you started out as the, the work boyfriend and then the work fiance. And then now you're like the East Coast work husband. So am I the, am I the work ex-husband now? Is that how that works? No, no. I think once you get the title, together. you're kind of stuck with it. <laughs> yeah. And also the listeners might be interested to learn I was the MC at your wedding as well in California. Yes, because you've gone through like the whole relationship with uh, my husband and I, and uh, and you, of course, you have the the perfect voice to do it. So who else can do it besides you? That's too kind. <laughs> let's let's make this about you a little bit. So, I was shocked when I met you that not only were you sociable and able to hold the discourse with people and technical, but that you came from a pharmacy background originally. That you trained yeah. as a pharmacist. Um, how did you go from? pre-pharmacy, Diana, to studying pharmacy stuff. What and how did that translate into getting into security? You know, it was a really interesting path. I actually went in with the intentions of uh, being very focused on research and development in pain management. And um, I ended up doing an internship at a closed pharmacy that uh, catered to the elderly and facilities where people just go in and they don't get out. Mm -hmm. And it got really depressing honestly. And so even though I, I wasn't uh, patient-facing, it was uh, extremely hard when, uh, when medications would come back because the patient passed away or they were not being sent home during the holidays. So it was kind of emotionally hard for me. And uh, I went into the field and in, the, in biotech and uh, worked for Johnson & Johnson and worked for Stanford University. And at that point, I realized that uh, I needed to kind of uh, see where my growth was going to be at. And I realized that it was extremely slow in the biotech field and having to invest like decades just to reach what I wanted to do. And an opportunity came up from one of my professors. I was taking some courses, night courses, and said, hey, you know, my husband started a company and uh, I think you'd be great at it. So next thing I know, I was a contractor for Hewlett Packard. Oh, wow. And yeah, I was doing coding for them. And uh, this is when Carly Fiorina was running the company. When that contract ended, I ended up at McAfee, and I actually went in for a coding position, believe it or not. 
And they said, would you be perfect for BizDev? I go, what is BizDev? <laughs> you know, so that's how you and I became friends because right. um, me going into the industry. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So for me, going into that field was like, okay, I know absolutely nothing in my eyes because I've done some coding in college, but nothing to the level of, you know, cybersecurity. And you and I became friends because you were a great resource and teacher. Oh. It's like, hey, you know, what do you want to learn? I still remember you whiteboarding to me how encryption worked. Oh yeah, yeah. We went through yeah. we went through how PKI worked and how asymmetric and symmetric encryption worked and keying. And exactly, and I still remember the, the the whiteboard session that you did. So you know, wow. it was a great learning tool. You're a great resource and mentor for me. This is like twenty uh, plus years ago now, and and actually, yeah. you know, what struck me about you, Dana, was everyone else in your department had sort of gone the MBA route and didn't know where to park. And they were all smiles and handshakes. And they thought they knew everything. They had the Dunning-Kruger coming out the ears. They'd heard a little and thought they were experts. And you actually knew something. And you had this humility. You'd come, you were at the bottom of that curve and said, no, I need to learn. And I'm like, I have infinite time for that. You're uh, a breath of fresh air. And you really absorbed like a sponge, which I shouldn't be surprised at now looking back. Well, you know, I think the thing is that you're passionate about it. And also, if you are motivated to be good at your job, you invest the time into doing, knowing something backwards and forwards. And I think that was one of the things that I learned through my education is, you know, know it backwards and forwards, know everything from a molecular level to a systemic level, and being able to understand because you can't combat it and you can't do well at it unless you know it, you know, intimately. And of course, you know, you know, I'm a huge fan of uh, the Sun Tzu. So, you know, know what you have, know what you need and never go into battle unless you know you're going to win. Right? right. So part of that is having that knowledge base. And I never want to go in unprepared. You also struck me as curious, fundamentally curious about the world around you. And you loved puzzles. And maybe that was just me. Uh, I remember when we, 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 we were both we were both in Silicon Valley, and uh, you said to me, "Do you like thrillers? And do you like?" Because we both read; we're avid readers. And yeah. uh, you convinced me to do something that was out of my comfort zone, and I, we went to a reading by Jeffrey Deaver, who did the Bone Code. Yes. And, yes. Uh, and that blew me away. And and uh, the Blue Nowhere, I think we both read at the same time, which was his attempt to bring sort of serial killer thriller to the world of Windows, which was really cool. Uh, yeah, it's dated as heck now, and I, but it was really good. Is that a passion for you? Or, you know, are you still reading the same things these days? You know, I'm still reading a lot. And, um, but lately, just because I started at Immersive Labs, I've been doing a lot of uh, lab work. So rather than reading a book, I'm actually been going through like training modules, you know, and, uh, when and you learning. Say lab work, you mean just like cyber labs? Yeah, cyber labs. I'm actually because of you, it could also mean pharmaceutical labs. I wasn't sure. Well, you know, to me, I think my lab work has transitioned to the kitchen now, so I consider that to be my new lab. <laughs> but, well, you were always uh, fond of cooking. You never ate much. We'd always bring food around for everybody. But uh, yeah, no, remember what? Remember when you were actually like one of my guinea pigs for making creme brulee? I remember you, you brought a torch to work, and we're we're doing the creme brulee and the cubes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Exactly. Well, you, so uh, away from margaritas at work, but you were seeing you you're in the lab. You're in the labs, and this is inspiring. So you're reading more technical stuff now? Yeah. Can you believe I'm actually learning how to do command lines in Linux? <laughs> yes, I can, actually. That doesn't surprise me. Um, yeah. I'm actually learning how to do that. I mean, I think, you I know, mean, when, you, when you... From a hacking perspective, are you malware reverse engineering or are you... Uh, you know, kind of, 
I'm actually doing command lines. I'm doing the entry level in terms of uh, getting um, information, being able to manipulate it, doing a little bit of research in it. So, of course, I do, as you would probably guess, a little bit of ancillary research on it as well. But, you know, it's actually, you know, I think back in the day I was doing, I started on Turbo Pascal 6.0. That's how old it's been. I love and Turbo Pascal. That's one of my favorites. Yeah, that was my first one. That's where I cut my teeth. And uh, then I've done like other things like XML, HTML, all the other stuff. But it's been so long since I've coded and getting into to Linux. I keep telling myself, it's like, I'm sure it's just, you know, basically a set of instructions. As long as you know what the commands are, you can figure out how to get through this, right? You know, it's funny. Uh, this is a long time ago, but uh, actually McAfee acquired a company that did SIM functions. Who All their source code was written in Turbo. Turbo Pascal. This was many years later. I'm sure they've refactored the code since, but believe it or not, there are still pockets of it out there. Um, no way. Yeah, yeah, there definitely are. Does biotech creep back in at all in your way of looking at things? Do you use any medical or pseudo-medical models? I know you're always interested in it, but has that been a theme throughout or did you abandon it when you went into You know, it's actually interesting. I was sucked back into it a couple years ago. So, you know, as you know, you know, my parents are getting older and uh, I became their medical advocate. And um, I've been doing a lot of research into IoT, especially in the medical device arena, mm-hmm. especially since I know a lot about, you know, both worlds, but yet now is an opportunity for both worlds to collide. And uh, so many technologies are coming out, you know, unfortunately, you and I both know the pain points of, you know, oh, yeah. securing said device is always like an afterthought until after something happens. So my, my dad had to get a, uh, an implant from Medtronics. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, going to one of the, the discussion meetings with uh, the Medtronics person, as well as the cardiologist, my first word out of my mouth is, how's information transmitted? Is it encrypted? What's the range? You know, what are the, the risks involved? You know, not on the physical risk, because that part was pretty easy, but awesome. more in terms of like, you know, managing, making sure that it doesn't get hacked. You know, fortunately, my dad isn't like someone, someone that's a big target, you know, so to speak. But it's always important to kind of know, you know, before implant goes in, you know, how is it managed? Is it, uh, what kind of Bluetooth is it? You know, what kind of device can be hacked into it? Especially since um, Brian Krebs actually put out a report on how they were able to hack an earlier generation of it. And uh, can you imagine if you have like a, you go to a hospital and you're able to manipulate and control, you know, the the ILT and all these devices if they knew how to get into it. I had a a joke I used to tell when I gave presentations in the late 90s that I had this nightmare of, being rolled into an ambulance and hearing the windows start up uh, brings new meaning to blue screen of death. But yeah, no, this is, you were more than a medical proxy for him. You were also a cyber proxy and I got to put a plug in. That was great. But in the IOT world, we do not execute really trusted execution environments or hardware roots of trust. We do not have strong yeah. crypto. We do not do good random number generation. We don't do good integrity and stack checking. Um, yep. And we ship things with default identities that are weak. We're effectively putting out digital pollution or internet pollution with the haze of devices that nobody will manage out there. And just like ICS and SCADA can be upgraded with IP, so can IoT devices. But I'll stop preaching. You're on the right track, honestly. But it's crazy that your dad had to have somebody there to ask those questions. Were they, did they have the answers? I think I got the deer in headlights look huh. and respond. Oh, poor doctor. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I ended up just doing my own research on it. I actually went back to the uh, the security realm and did some digging on it, find out what models were involved, find out how they did it, 
So, you know, rather than having the uh, the canned answer of uh, something extremely generic and, you know, low confidence, I just went and did it myself. Yeah, and uh, you have experience even, I think you were, I think you were at SafeNet was the company we did manage earlier. We can do that now. We can talk about those companies. But you were doing hardware security yeah. modules there. Yeah, we it's were. Not, it's not like this tech doesn't exist and can't be used. It's, it's a bit of a shame. Um, it is. You're also you're big into things like martial arts. If I recall, you were doing Aikido back in the day. Yeah, uh, I actually doing started that as well. Yeah. For sort of wholeness. No, you know what actually happened was I think my first entry into martial arts was uh, doing kickboxing when I was in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, basically trained by one of the best competitors in the world. And, uh, and that was great. It was a great exercise. And uh, it was great in terms of self-defense and being able to be the offensive as well as the uh, the adversary, right? And then when I moved out, I was looking for a comparable school, and I couldn't. And I stumbled upon Aikido. It's like, okay, it was more, you know, you're not hitting, which is really unusual for me. And you're not attacking. You're just more uh, in terms of protection and, and stopping. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was very, very different for me. And, and and trust me, it took me weeks to not want to hit someone. <laughs> so, so do you want to now, or is it? Do you find better strategies through Aikido? Are you, are you fine just giving someone the old smack and punch, or? You know, uh, it depends on my reflexes and what the scenario is. But I think uh, one of the things that you know that we're all kind of painfully aware is, uh, you know, being a female in this space. You know, it's not very common. And, uh, you know, I travel solo for the most part, but, you know, just knowing that I have the tools if I need it, if I need to, you know, protect myself or knowing that if I get jumped by, you know, five men, you know, in a dark alley, I can take care of myself. You know, it helps. Yeah. I actually, full disclosure, I feel safer when I'm next to you when we're out walking at places like DEF CON and Black Hat, but I love those shows, but nevertheless, I'm glad you're with me. But you also mentor women. You mentioned there aren't many in our, yeah. in our space. You founded a, a cybersecurity boot camp for women. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, actually, I didn't find it. It was a LinkedIn invite that I received. And so the uh, creator of Craigslist, Craig, actually is starting an initiative of 100 women in 100 days. And the goal is to get 100 women through a 100-day boot camp in cybersecurity and then help with uh, placing them into positions afterwards. Hmm. So I'm involved in um, is hopefully this new be a, or has it been around for a while? Did you do the first hundred and you're working on the next or is it still the first hundred? It's actually currently the first 100 and they're doing the first run right now up in Sacramento. And so, you know, we got in, we got an intro for it. We got um, excitement around utilizing immersive labs as one of the, the main training modules uh, for these women to go through for this educational boot camp. So, that's what we're involved in right now. So hopefully on the next one that our, our product is going to actually be used as the, the main learning tool for these women. But it's a really exciting program. I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of work involved in getting women more involved in cybersecurity. And you actually wrote a great article about having diversity and oh, different yeah. backgrounds. And uh, yeah, and I, it's like, it's so true because, you know, when you look at things differently, you solve puzzles differently, you have different perspectives I think it only strengthened your, your cybersecurity, your knowledge, and being able to think outside the box. Because if all you do is, is code all day in someone's basement, but then you meet someone that, you know, like a bio nerd like me, you kind of gain more perspective and different ways of solving things. And I think that's, that's really, really cool. 
Oh yeah. It, it, to put it bluntly, bringing in diversity into our industry is really selfish because our opponents, they don't mind having diverse teams. They know it gets yeah. them more, more brainstorming on how to break in and frankly, better R&D and rates of innovation. We need it too. You know, and that's yeah. actually selfish. And I, hopefully people are fine with that. So given your exposure, I know you mentor women independently of that as well. Imagine a young woman listening to this podcast now saying, is this the right space for me? Or maybe I'm trying it and there's so many men around me. What would you tell her? You know, it's interesting because I actually, I'm in a uh, private group in Facebook regarding women's cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. And I kept seeing a lot of posts about women saying that they were unsure if they are in the right place, if they're good enough. And, you know, time and time again, asking for more tools or more opportunities to learn or mentoring. And I threw my hat in. And so I ended up talking to several women and helping them out in terms of job placements, just simple things, even like resume development, things that you and I have done for decades that we don't even think twice about. Mm-hmm. And of course, being in this space for so long, you know who the niche products are, you know who does what, who would be a great complement, and based on culture and based on knowledge-based work experience will be a great opportunity for people. I'm actually talking to a young woman that's you know, gonna be graduating soon, and her background is physical security. And I was talking to her and she wants to get more into the network side and she didn't know how to do it. So I actually gave her a couple of leads for certain companies like HID and Jamalto, where they do have a very strong physical access background and she can leverage what she has known and get into a space of network security without compromising and losing the ground that she had established. That's awesome. We don't have very long. I have one final question for you in a moment before we get to okay. that. You're a passionate person. I've always known you to be humble and always actively listening, but you tend to have these huge passions. So maybe I'll ask you two small questions. I know you love to cook. Tell me what kind of cuisine you're exploring now because there has to be something. How did you know? (laughs) There is. There always is. It was creme brulee back in the day, but I've seen you do everything from sous vide to cook by flamethrower. So what are you exploring? You know what's funny is like, I'm sure you saw on Facebook that I actually hosted a birthday party for one of our dogs. I did. And by the way, your dogs eat better than my children. (laughs) While my children are having chicken nuggets and uh, french fries, yours are having a homemade steak. So what are you cooking right now? Well, right now I'm not cooking anything. I don't have anything in my lab, so to speak. Mm. But I think the most involved thing I've done, and this is all your fault, by the way. Uh Uh-oh is uh, smoked meat slash pastrami. Uh, being a native Montrealer, that is a religion for me. Smoked meat is what yeah. in Canada, but it's basically pastrami, yeah. Yeah, so I actually do a wet brine for 30 days. I smoke nice. for six hours and sous vide for two days. And uh, next time I come out to California, you'll have some ready right around when I arrive, right? Oh, it's going to be warm. You're coming over. We're going to have a place setting for you at the, at the table. That's awesome. And uh, second to last question now, what are you reading at the moment? What are you sinking your teeth into? I'm actually sinking my teeth into the fifth domain. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, Clark and Nake, right? Yes, it is. And uh, it's actually uh, recommended to me by my teammate. And it's like, okay, cool. I'll pick it up. And he's like, yeah, my friend wrote it. And I'm like, I can't stop reading it and I'm you know I started picking it up and it's just really interesting because you know it'll start off where I started off in 1999 with Bill Clinton yeah yeah so it's the timeline is just so appropriate so this is your 20th anniversary isn't it my goodness yes it is can you believe it I feel so old (laughs) 
Wow. So 20 years ago, I saw you at some point around then in a, in the cube form yep. that, was, that was the glory of McAfee. Uh, the yeah. final thing is, I love, by the way, that you're also the worst liar I know and <laughs> terrible at faking or deceiving anything. So I have to yes. ask, you know, we may do a poker game at some point in the future. People who have spoken on this podcast, would you be part of it? Would you come and join us? Because uh, I'm dying to see how you bluff. You know, I'll be the, the first one out. You know, let's be honest. And that's and fine. I you also, bring all your money and then you can sit back and enjoy the company. But, but the thing I also remember, and this is like you and I in Vegas for the first time, I think it was CA World. And you yeah. said you actually gave me some stats in terms of odds of winning at every single table. <laughs> and which right. one was that's the right. best and which one was the least. And what to look for in terms of research. Like when is the, the slot machine going to get emptied out? Who is the last that's person right. to win? Yeah. And all that monitoring. So I don't know because you're like the expert in gambling, and I'm still learning. Tell people that that's that's (laughs) our secret. And actually, for for listeners, we uh, back at CA in those days, we we made the it was well, they were called Aeon and Nugents. Then we made these machine learning devices to help keep things like one arm bandits, the actual slot machines pay out per whatever the state regulation was that they had to pay back. I want to say it was like 97 or 98% of what they took had to be given back. And that had to be policed. And some machines paid out more than others. So, yeah, I'm going to stop talking about that now and say, Diana, thank you very much for being on the show. And it's wonderful to talk to you again. I look forward to seeing you. Thank you, Sam. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. You too.